there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Today, by the grace of God, I want to conclude this mini-series I started on how to excel. How to excel. And it's my prayer that you'll excel. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you will excel. Nobody under the sound of my voice is permitted to fail. The devil is a liar. You will excel in the name of Jesus. Can I hear a louder amen in this house? And I gave you keys that will help you to excel. Number one was time. Somebody say time. You must be in charge of your time. You must take charge of your time. Don't waste your time. Tell your neighbor, don't waste your time. Tell them again, don't waste your time. Tell them, take charge of your time. And secondly is salvation. You must introduce a system in your life that will guarantee success, and that is salvation. You see, when you get saved, you plug into God, and when you plug into God, the graces that are in salvation begin to flow into your life. And then number three is knowledge. Somebody shout knowledge. knowledge. It's important to have knowledge. Jesus, uh, uh, the, the book of Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of Knowledge. So you need knowledge for you to be able to succeed. So today I want to give you number four, number five, and number six. Hopefully I'll be able to finish by the grace of God. Number four is God. You need God for you to succeed. You need God. Now, in John Buyan's book uh, entitled The Pilgrim's Progress, the plot centers on a character by the name Christian. For those who have read, who have read that book. The Pilgrim's Progress. By the way, I encourage you to read that book. It's a very powerful book. And this guy called Christian is weighed down by a great burden. And this burden is the knowledge of his sin. And he was able to get this burden after reading uh, a book that was in his hand. And this book is the Bible. And so this burden made him, you know, to seek for deliverance because he was feeling the weight you know, of his wretchedness. And so he began his journey from his hometown, uh, which is the city of destruction, which represents this world, to the celestial city, which is in heaven. And on his way, he met an evangelist. And this evangelist was a religious man. And this evangelist tried to help him to be able to reach this city, the celestial city, which in our language we can call heaven, so that he may be able to cure his wretchedness. Now, as you read the story, it's a very interesting story because this guy called Christian is facing so many challenges on his way as he goes. You know, when he was even leaving his home, he tried to explain to his wife that he wants to go on a journey, you know, to seek God. You know, to find solutions to the wretchedness. And the wife did not understand him. And the wife did not even want to go with him. He spoke to his children. And he told the children, I want you to go with me. Because uh, the life that we are living is not a good life. We have to go, you know, and, and, and find God. And, and they could not, you know, like follow, follow him. They were entrapped with the enticements uh, of the city that they were living in. Even some of his friends, it's like there's a guy who tried to follow him, but at some point, you know, he, he, he backslid and he went back, you know, to the world. So it's a very interesting book. And as you read it, you can see your life as a Christian, the things that you have gone through since, you know, you started following God, the trials, the temptations. At some point, you felt like giving up, you know, the things that you met, you met on the way as you desired to be closer and closer to God. But this is the thing I want you to get from this story, that Christian discovered that without God, he is damned. He discovered that without God, he is not truly happy. You know, without God, there is no inner peace. Without God, he felt like something was missing. There was a voidness that was in his life that could not be filled by money, could not be filled by success, could not be filled by human relationships, could not be filled by the wealth that he had acquired. And that's why he went on this journey, on this pilgrimage to try and find God. So it is important for you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that without God, we cannot be fruitful. 
Without God, we cannot enjoy life here on earth. We need his guidance. We need his wisdom. We need his strength. We need, you know, God's hand upon our lives for us to be able to live a fruitful life on earth. We must recognize the crucial role that God plays in influencing the affairs of men. God helps people. I need to say that again. God helps people. God assists people. God helps people. God favors people. That's why you need God in your life. Touch your neighbor and tell them you need God in your life. You see, there are things when God does in your life, it makes you fall on your knees. Because you recognize that were it not God intervening in that situation, you could not have experienced success. You realize that it's not by power, it's not by might, it's not by your experience. You realize that this is God's help in my life to make me experience, you know, this kind of success. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus finds the disciples who had fished the whole night and caught nothing. They had struggled the whole night, you know, trying to fish. Peter and his cronies, and these are professional fishermen. They have been fishing all their lives. They didn't even have time to go to school. As soon as they were born and they started working, they went, they headed straight to the river and they started fishing or to the lake and started fishing. And they fished the whole night and they caught nothing. And Jesus appeared to them and he gives them a very simple instruction. And he tells them, go and launch into the deep. They launch into the deep and they have such a great catch. And Peter falls on his knees. You know, because he recognized, I mean, this is beyond our experience. This is not because we have been doing this all this time. This is the hand of God. This is God who has helped us to be able to, you know, experience a great catch. That's why I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God helps people. And I pray that God may help you to succeed. Where you have failed, may God help you. Where you have been frustrated, may God help you. Where you have stagnated, may God help you. You see, God's invisible hand has a way of working behind the scenes to be able to help us when we cry out to him for help. God's invisible hand orchestrates victory in our lives in the midst of difficulties. It is his hand, ladies and gentlemen, that helped Goliath, sorry, that helped David defeat Goliath. It was the invisible hand of God that helped David as a small boy with a tiny frame to be able to, de to be able to defeat Goliath, who was a trained soldier, who had trained all his life to be able to fight, you know, the Israelites. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 37, the Bible says, David said to Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So David also recognized the invisible hand of God, helping him to defeat the lion and helping him to defeat the bear. He couldn't see the physical hand, but he knew that God was behind his victory. You know, you don't have to see the hand of God. But when you see results in your life, you can tell that God's hand was involved. Come on, somebody. I wish I had a witness in this house. God's hand was in, involved because when you look at the problem, you look at your experience, you look at your resources, you look at your body size, you look at the money in your account, and then you look at the victory that you have just experienced, you can only conclude one thing, that God was involved in this thing. This is not by power, this is not by might, but this is by the Spirit, saith the Lord. I wish I had a witness in this house. Hallelujah. May God's invisible hand be involved in your affairs. The challenges that you go through, the battles that you face, the difficulties that you're going through, may God's invisible hand be involved. And David knew that even this giant called, called Goliath, he has intimidated everybody. He has intimidated my king. He has intimidated my brothers. He has intimidated the whole and the entire, you know, army of Israel. But he knew if God is with me, if God is on my side, I know that I'm going to defeat this Philistine. It is the hand of God, ladies and gentlemen, that helped Jehoshaphat to defeat his enemies. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 22, the Bible says, Now when they began to sing, because Jehoshaphat was besieged, he was surrounded by his enemies. 
And somebody came and told Jehoshaphat, look, you have been surrounded. You are finished. You are done. You're going to be killed. Jehoshaphat fasted. He sought the Lord. He told everybody you need to fast. And they started seeking the Lord. And then there is a prophet who rose up and he said, be still. He calmed the entire nation and he said, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. And so what did Jehoshaphat do? He decided to appoint a choir army. And this army was to go and sing and just give praises unto the Lord. And as they sung and they were dancing, I mean, this was ridiculous. I mean, this, 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 this was not making sense. You are surrounded, you are besieged. Instead of fighting, you start singing. And they were singing. And then when they began to sing, the Bible says, verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. Moab and Mount Say, who had come up against Judah, and they were defeated. Who was fighting? It was, it was the invisible hand of God that was fighting on behalf of Jehoshaphat and the Israelites. They couldn't see the hand, but as they were singing, God was fighting. Hallelujah. As they were singing, God was fighting. Something is wrong with this. Speaker, fix it. As they were singing, God was fighting. When we do the singing, God will do the fighting. When we do the praising, God will do the fighting. Can somebody shout a big amen? amen. As we begin to bless the name of the Lord and exalt him in our situation, God's invisible hand will show up in our situation. Can I hear a louder amen? amen. Please fix my monitors. I need to hear myself. It is the hand of God, the invisible hand of God that fought the Egyptians when they pursued the Israelites. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 verse 21 to 25 that, that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night as they were following, you know, the Israelites and the Israelites started, you know, uh, getting afraid, you know, and, 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 and they, they, they knew that, I mean, if these guys catch up with us, we are done. And God started doing wonders, even in the wilderness. The Bible says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind, because they had gotten to the, uh, to the Red Sea. And the water was actually raging and flowing. And so there was no way they were going to cross over to the other side. So when Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, all that night, and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. Are you still with me, somebody? So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left, and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass, I love this part. In the morning watch, they, were, they traveled the entire night. It came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and it troubled. Somebody say troubled. I can't hear you. Shout again, troubled. Who was troubling the Egyptians or the army of the Egyptians? It was the Lord. He looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and he troubled the army of the Egyptians and he took off their chariot wheels. God literally removed the wheels of their chariots so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord, oh, Jesus, for the Lord does what? fights for them against the Egyptians. They could see that the Lord was fighting them. They could see the invisible hand of God fighting them as they were trying to pursue the Israelites. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to tell you, you are not alone. I wish I had a better amen in this house. You are not alone. There is God's invisible hand working behind the scenes 
to protect you, to provide for you. No wonder you're blessed. It's because God has been working behind the scenes. No wonder you're still alive today because God has been working behind the scenes. No wonder, no wonder you're married and you're settled in your marriage because God has been working behind the scenes. Touch five people around you and tell them God has been working behind the scenes. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. I wish you knew how many wheels God has removed. I wish you knew how many plans God has sabotaged against you. I wish you knew how many plans of your enemies against you that God has blocked. You are where you are today because God's invisible hand has been at work in your life. Can I get a real shout in this house today? He has been working behind the scenes to frustrate your enemies so that they don't catch up with you. Hallelujah. That's why you say God helps people. God helps his people. May God help you. May God fight for you. May God surround you with his angels. May God cover you from the wiles of the enemy. May God protect you from the attacks of the enemy. May God keep you safe and sound. Can I get a louder amen in this house? Woo! I feel like preaching this morning. God's invisible hand is at work in your life. Second Chronicles, I want to show you something here very powerful. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Are you with me, somebody? Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 3 to 7. It looks like I'm the only one invited, excited about this message today. Are you excited? Sent. Are we excited? Second Chronicles chapter 26. Look at verse 3. Uzzah was 16 years old when he became king. He, be, he was 16 years old when he became, ask your neighbor, how old are you? And then ask them, how comes you can't even be an MCA? At 16, at 16, he became king. At 16, he became king. Before I go further, let no one despise you because of your age. Oh. Jesus, help me preach. I say, let no one despise you because of your age. You can be a president at your age. You can be a CEO at your age. You can be a pastor at your age. Can I get a louder yes in this house? Let no one despise you because of your age. At 16, the guy became king. Amazing. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, please try, even if it's an MCA, just try, try and vie for anything. Because you're too old. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to have politicians in this church. Oh yes, I want to pastor politicians. Oh my goodness. Are you getting what I'm talking about? I want member of parli a member of parliament to come to this church. MCAs to come to this church. Even the vice president to come to this church. The president to come to this church. Oh, yes. It's possible. It's possible. This coming Monday, there is a governor I'm going to pray for. I'll not tell you who it is. He called me to pray for him. He said, I think if you pray for me, I'll make it. I told him, before I even pray, you have made it. So if you want to be an MC, come, I'll pray for you. <laughs> or a member of parliament, I'll pray for you. You'll make it. Hallelujah. Yeah, one of my members here was vying for a seat somewhere. I've been praying for her to make it. I pray she will make it or get something. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, so that when we talk about some things, we don't pray much. We say, okay, you member of parliament, you MCA, you uh, governor, you fix the road. Because I'm their pastor, they cannot say no. Hallelujah. Amen. Anyway, Uzzah was 16. My goodness. Ask your neighbor one more time, how old are you? I'm concerned. Hey, mercy. <laughs> he was 16 years old. Let's read the scripture. 16 years old when he became king. But there's something else I want you to see here. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4. And he did, read together with me, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Then verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, this is a man who discovered, oh Jesus, as long as he sought the Lord, what happened? God, hmm, come on, shout it louder. God, that's why I told you God helps people. I say God helps people. I say God helps people. May God help you as well in the name of Jesus. As you seek him, may he make you prosper in all your endeavors in the name of Jesus. May you prosper in the marketplace. I say may you prosper in the marketplace. May God's invisible hand rest upon you to make you prosper in all that you do in Jesus' name. Look at verse 6. This is powerful. God made him prosper. Now, he went out and he made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath the wall of Jabni, and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. Verse 7. Mm. Read it with me. God helped him against the Philistines, against Arabians who lived in Gurba, and against all those enemies who have been fighting you and frustrating you. May Jehovah God help you to overcome them in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Touch five people around you and tell them, God is helping me. 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 I release God's invisible hand to help you in all your endeavors. May God help you. May God help your marriage. May God help your children. May God help your business. May God help your company to do well. Somebody shout, God is helping me. Jump to verse 15. Verse 15. My goodness. Give me verse 15. And he made device. This is Uzzah, a small boy. King James says he made engines. He made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. People did not start throwing stones the other day. Tell your neighbor, stone throwing is a biblical act. <laughs> Even David was a stone thrower. <laughs> ah, I love it. Large stones. What has happened? Give me the scripture. So, can we read together? So, he is fame. You will be famous. Who am I talking to this morning? I prophesy over you. You will be famous in the name of Jesus. His fame spread far and wide. For he was, can we read it together? He was marvelously helped until I prophesy over you. May you be marvelously helped by God. Hallelujah. Who am I prophesying over this morning? May you be marvelously helped by God in all your endeavors, in everything you do, the things you are struggling to make Make them succeed. May God marvelously help you in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you have court cases. May God marvelously help you in Jesus' name. Some of you have things that are stuck somewhere. May God marvelously help you in the name of Jesus. Some of you have issues that have not been resolved for years. I prophesy the invisible hand of God to help you marvelously. Shout a louder amen. amen. Can we give God praise in advance for his help? Help. Sit down. Number five. 
You need the middle man for you to excel. You need the middle man for you to excel. There are people. Somebody shout people. Ah, is that a shout? There are people who are equipped, who are ordained and assigned by God to help you succeed. I need to say that again. There are people who are equipped, who are ordained, and who are signed by God to make you succeed or to make you excel. They are positioned by God in your life as conduits of blessings. Look at Psalms chapter 115 and verse 16. Psalms 115 and verse 16. Can we read together? The heavens... The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So the earth has been given to the children of men to exercise dominion. Mm. Mm. Let, let me just allow that to sink. He has given the earth to the children of men. So this is the territory of man. The earth is the territory of man. And God has allowed man to exercise dominion here on earth. So this place, there are people who have even exercised dominion over failure. They cannot fail. There are people who have exercised dominion over poverty. They can never be poor. There are people who have exercised dominion over frustration. It's impossible for them to be frustrated. Very difficult. And I know what I'm talking about. Very difficult. There are people who have exercised dominion over food. They don't wake up and think, what will I eat? You, you have a house manager. Them, they have a chef. You, the only time you meet a chef is in a hotel. If you want to see one, you go to a six-star hotel. Not just these funny hotels. Huh? That's going to be, you know who a chef is. There are hotels when you go, the chef is everything. The chef is the one serving you. The chef is the one washing your hands. The chef is the one bringing the food. The chef is the one cooking. The chef is the one clearing your table. That is not the kind of chef I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real chef who wakes up in the morning, the entire week, he has organized your menu for you. What you're eating on Monday, what you're eating on Tuesday, what you're eating on Wednesday, what you're eating on Thursday, what you're eating on Friday. He, he has even calculated the number of calories that you need to have in your body. He has calculated the fat content that you, can, you, you consume during the week. And he has balanced that with your weight and your height. Huh? And then there is a chief like butler. Before you eat the food, they test the food. So that he can determine if you should eat or not. If he doesn't like it, he, they will go back to the drawing board. There are people who have exercised dominion. Over some of the things we are struggling about. I'm telling you. And such people have as they have, they have, they have, they have a sense of dominion in certain areas. Here, here on earth, just here on earth. Look, I don't want to be very political, but let me tell you, when Moe stood up and pointed at Uhuru, it was a very serious statement. Because he was in a place of authority. What Uhuru is doing, we should not take it lightly, is in a place of authority. I knew I'd lose part of the congregation. The person that John the Baptist pointed at is the one that became Messiah. The person that Samuel 
pointed at. He was a small boy. Small boy, pointed. That is the person that became the king. And look, I'm not just campaigning for anyone. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, because when you look at even the front runners in this country, the president has, has pointed at both of them. Yes. He has pointed at both of them. There's a time he said, <laughs> at least I've appeased the other side. They are now happy. So all of us, we're on the same page. We can continue with the preaching, isn't it? Yeah, he has pointed at both of them. He has endorsed both of them at one point or another. So there are people, someone say people. I mean, there are people when they say something, it has weight. So much weight. I'm telling you, so much weight. If they point at you, things begin to change in your life. Hmm. The earth has been given to men. Please, are we, are we okay so far? People from this side and this side, are we okay? I, I have balanced it. Who feels aggrieved so I can explain further? (laughs) So these people, the middleman, someone say we are talking about the middleman. They have instruments. They have resources. They have influence. And they have graces that can make you excel. Their signature is heavy. Their endorsement is heavy. Their recommendation gives you credibility. In fact, it gives you undue advantage against your competitors. Look at the Bible. A king loves an ordinary girl and she becomes a queen. The same king rejects a queen and she's demoted. Under the same breath, One is promoted, another one is demoted. He loves this ordinary girl from Israel by the name Esther. And in a split of a second, she is the queen. He tells the queen from today, I demote you. And she becomes an ordinary citizen. They are men. They are men. I call them middlemen. When you meet them, your life changes. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. When, 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 when you connect with them, because the earth has been given to the children of men. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, God spoke to Samuel and said, how long will you mourn for Saul? Because Samuel was crying. He was crying because Saul had gone against, you know, the commandments of God. Saul had become unruly, and Samuel is crying. And the reason why he was crying is because he's the one who anointed Saul to become king. And he's weeping, and God comes to him and he tells him, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Then God tells him, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. You see, God could not do anything as long as Samuel was weeping. God could not anoint the next king as long as Samuel was weeping. He needed Samuel as a middleman to midwife his purpose and his plans over the life of David. That's why I told him, wipe your tears, fill your horn with oil. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. There is a guy there that I've anointed. He didn't even tell him the name. He told him, you go there. When you get there, I'm going to give you directions. The middleman. And you can see that Samuel, you know, picked the horn and he went to Jesse's uh, homestead and they brought all these sons and God did not allow Samuel to anoint the person that he did not want. But Samuel had to be there because everything that Samuel said, the Bible says it had weight. 
No word that came out of his mouth fell on the ground without being fulfilled. He was the middleman that midwifed David's rulership in Israel. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. The Bible says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So you don't just need favor with God only. You also need favor with man because man ruled this domain. He was already favored by God. That's why God could split the sky and tell everybody that was around Jesus that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleasing. But God knew for Jesus to make it, he also needed to be favored by men. And one of the guys that favored Jesus was John the Baptist. He had to point at Jesus because he was the one who was in charge at that particular moment. And Jesus really needed the endorsement of John because Jesus knew at some point he would need to make reference to that endorsement. Oh, Jesus. It's so good. I love it. Hallelujah. Because there's a day they asked him, Jesus, where did you get the authority to do the things that you're doing? Why are you preaching the message that you're preaching? Why are you doing the things that you're doing, Jesus? And Jesus told them, where did John get his authority from? Because they believed that John was sent by God. And they went and they said, if we tell him John's authority came from God and it is John who pointed at him, we have already answered ourselves. What do you think? Let's go, these were the Pharisees, let's go and tell him we do not know. So they came back and said, Jesus, we have an answer for you. The question you asked, we do not know. Jesus said, even me, I will not answer you. Because he knew that they had the answer. You understand what I'm talking about? You need people. You need people that have been assigned by God to actually propel you forward. Their signature, their endorsement, their letter of recommendation will open some doors for you. Can I get an amen in this house? May those people rise. May those people rise in your life in the name of Jesus. May you discover those people. May you locate those people in the name of Jesus. Can we go a little bit deeper? 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 to 11. The Bible talks about Mephibosheth. This is a, a grandson of Saul. He was forgotten in Lodba in the house of a guy called Machir, struggling. And then what happened? A middleman remembered him. Who is this middleman? David. He remembered the covenant that he had made with his father. And that was Jonathan. And so David sent for another middleman by the name Ziba to go and bring this guy who was forgotten, who was crippled, who was living like a, 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 a pauper in, in a dry place. And they brought him to the palace because of who? David. And David said, from today, you will eat at this table with me. You will eat at this table with me. And you can see that David was treating Mephibosheth very differently. Even when David left, you know, the palace because of Absalom. And somebody came and told David, you know, Mephibosheth was like this. He behaved funny, whatever, whatever. You know, because Mephibosheth did not leave Jerusalem to follow David. He stayed behind. For me, I'm thinking he stayed behind because, number one, he was crippled. But David felt like this guy should have gone with me. But Mephibosheth told David, David, when you left, I didn't even shave my beard. I said, I'll not shave my beard until I see you. Can you imagine how he looked? One time I left my beard for a month. I looked like Tyler Perry. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's a joke. Some of you are so serious. It's a joke. It's just a joke. Genesis chapter 40, Joseph was in prison and the Bible says he had a dream and the dream was about two people, chief butler and chief baker and he interpreted their dreams and in three days the chief butler was reinstated to his position but the chief baker was hanged and Joseph saw an opportunity for his middleman to save him out of prison and he told the chief, uh, excuse me, the chief butler, that when you go to the king, please go and tell the king that I'm an innocent man. I'm in this prison for something I have not done. But this middleman forgot about Joseph. He went there. He enjoyed his freedom until he forgot about Joseph. 
after two years, my goodness, God raised another middleman. I need to tell somebody here, if the first middleman fails, God will raise a second middleman. Can I hear a louder amen here? Hey, I love this. He, he forgot about Joseph. And Joseph, and God had to raise another middleman by the name of the king. And he had a dream. And when he was talking about the dream, this chief butler remembered that there's a guy who interprets dreams. He interpreted my dream, and my dream came to pass. And he told the king, please, send for Joseph. Let him come. So the dream that Pharaoh had reminded the first middleman of the injustice that he demonstrated towards Joseph. And so the two of them collaborated to expedite the release of Joseph out of prison. Look, yesterday I was watching a clip of the president. There's a lady who was talking about, oh, he needs to be released, whatever, pardon him. And the president said, oh, there's a lady here who has said something. Where is that lady? Another guy is to say, no, not, not you, not you. Another one's to say, not you. There's a lady here who was asking for leniency. Where is she? Where is she? And they say, yeah, that is the one. Then he called one of the guys behind him. So they said, please make sure that you work out something so that the power of leniency can work to release that lady from prison. As we are talking right now, that lady is free. Why? Because of her words. Just one word from the president. One word from the president. And the lady is free. We don't know what she did and we don't care. The most important thing is she is free. She is free. And you cannot arrest her because it came from the highest office of the land. That's what I'm telling you. There are middlemen that God has positioned that you need to locate. If you don't meet those people, you will languish in prison. You will die in prison. You'll be destroyed in prison. May you meet your middlemen in the name of Jesus. That a man is very weak. I say, may you meet your middlemen in the name of Jesus. I prophesy. May you locate them in Jesus' name. From wherever they are, may your, may, your, may your paths cross in the name of Jesus. People that are responsible for your elevation. People whose ass assignment over your life is to make sure that you progress. The signature that you have been looking for. For you to get that tender. This week I release it in the name of Jesus. Can I hear louder amen in this house? That letter of recommendation that you have been praying for all these years for your promotion to be activated. I pray that may it be written this week in the name of Jesus. Touch your neighbor and tell them I'm locating my middleman. My middleman, my middleman, my middleman, my middleman. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I have no time, but let me give you number six. Another person you need for you to make it, for you to excel, is... Your prophet. Hallelujah. You need your prophet. Your prophet is your spiritual middleman. Hey. I love this. He's your spiritual middleman. He is your catalyst of progress. He is the one that activates your prophet. Please, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 16, quickly. 2 Kings Chapter 17, and this is the story of Elijah and the woman uh, who was about to die. Mm -hmm. Second Kings, is it the one? Verse 9. Verse 10. Hey. Is it First Kings or Second Kings? I think First Kings, chapter 17. First Kings. The woman. You know that woman? There was famine. That woman. And Elijah is sent to that woman. It's First Kings chapter 17. Sorry for that. God tells Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow. Look, God is saying, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. You're not getting what I'm saying. Who says, I go to Zarephath. There is a woman who lives there. And I have commanded her to provide for you. And that time people were dying because of famine. 
Verse, verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he had come to the gate of the city, somebody say, command the woman. Who commanded the woman? It is God who commanded the woman. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure it was not Elijah manipulating her? It is God who commanded her. Because if it was in our days today, Elijah will be the headlines. Preacher eating the last meal of our widow. But I want you to show, I want you to see something here, how he commanded the woman. You'll be so surprised. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And where he came, when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there. And what was the widow doing? She was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. He called unto her. And as she was going to get it, very obedient, a one wife. As she was, some women will say, do you know where the kitchen is? As she was going to get it. Now, I want you to notice something. Remember, the Bible says that God commanded the woman. So I expected when I was reading this story that if the woman could have seen Elijah, she could have rejoiced and she could have said, Elijah, I'm so glad you are here because before you came, God spoke to me about you, but she did not say that. Please follow me. I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. She could have been rejoicing and she could have said, before you came, God told me you are coming. But you can tell by the interaction that she was oblivious of the command. Only a few are getting it. The few are getting Can we go to the office? I continue preaching to you. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, I'm getting it. Uh -huh. Can we finish the story? It's powerful. I like it. Do you love the word of God? I like it. And so as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Look at verse 12. What she said. She, so, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat, eat and die. From her response, you can tell that the command had not reached her yet. But God told Elijah, go to that place. I have commanded the woman. But the way she's reacting and responding, it tells you that the command had not reached her. So how did the command reach her? It reached her through Elijah. As the prophet was speaking to her, she began to sense, this is not just a man speaking to me. This is the Lord speaking to me through this man. That's why she said, as the Lord lives. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Fear not. Go and do as you have said. But make me. <laughs> Elijah is determined, man. He must eat. Make for me a small cake from it first. Begin with me first. All right? And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now, this is a man who is trying to tell her that you are thinking that what you have is just for one meal. But Elijah is telling her, what you have is enough for me, <laughs> for your son, and for yourself. Then what happened? For thus says the Lord, verse 14, the bean of flour, this is where the command is coming to her now, the bean of flour shall not be used up. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until, until the Lord sends rain on earth. That means you'll be sustained in the period of famine. And when it starts raining, the supernatural flow ceases. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. For her, it was the word of the Elijah. But as we know, it was a command of the Lord through Elijah. And she, can we read? And she, and he, and her household ate for few days, for many days. 
It was through the prophet that she survived the famine. It is through the prophet that she succeeded in feeding her household. It is through the prophet that she did not die because she was only having her last meal. You need your prophet to speak over your life, to prophesy over your life, to declare blessings over your life, and I'm telling you, you will succeed. As your prophet, I bless you this morning. As your prophet, I declare, with my hands stretched out, may you excel in all your endeavors. May you prosper in your business. May you prosper in your job. May you prosper in everything that you do with the work of your, with your hands. May your work, the work of your hands be blessed. May your house be blessed. May your home be blessed. I pray that sicknesses and diseases will not be named in your house in the name of Jesus. You will not die before your time. Nobody will be feeble in your house. No one will be sickly in your house. All the curses are broken in the name of Jesus. All the sicknesses healed in the name of Jesus. May you prosper. May you become a money magnet. May you never lack anything good you desire from God. May goodness and mercies follow you all the days of your life. May you survive recession. May you survive famine. May you survive pandemics. May you survive difficult times. May you survive difficult situations. May you be victorious. May you make it. I see you excelling. I see you doing well. I see your children doing well. I see your home doing well. I see your business doing well. I see your company doing well. May you go out there and prosper. Shout a big amen. Give God a mighty clap and a shout. Come on, give God a shout. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.